Welcome into Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, we're discussing one of the most boring baseball games I've ever watched on a Philadelphia Phillies offense that was absolutely non-existent in their series opener against the New York Mets. What happened? How did they bounce back from that? And man, now the path gets tougher for them to get a series win in New York. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Phillies. Locked on Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm Connor Thomas, your host, been covering Phillies baseball for years, credentialed Philadelphia Phillies media member, uh, part of the well, your host of Locked On Phillies, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So go ahead and check them out. Let's jump right into it. Uh, very boring game last night from the Philadelphia Phillies. And, I mean, the Mets as well. It was not a high-scoring game. The game finished a 2 nothing shutout in favor of the Mets. And uh, there was a point where I was sitting there around like the sixth or seventh inning, and I'm like, I can't think of a single thing that's happened in this game to talk about, to take any type of feedback from. Let's start with the good. We'll get into the bad in a second. We know the bad. But let's, let's start with the good, okay? Um, Ranger Suarez. Made a nice start. He looks like he's finally coming out of it, and uh, he is getting more settled in. His fourth start of the year, uh, his stat line when everything was all said and done, six and two-thirds innings, five hits, two earned runs, two walks, four Ks. You'd like to see the strikeout numbers come up, and you'd like to see him get those walks down a little bit. Gave up a home run to Francisco Lindor, uh, and he went ahead, and another run was given up uh, to uh, on an Escobar infield single. Uh, they scored uh, Marte, starting Marte, and moved Tommy Pham up to third. Those are the only two runs by the New York Mets. Here's the thing with Ranger Suarez, right? I've been telling you, his stuff hasn't looked awful. His command has looked weird, uh, and you could just tell his feels a little bit off. Well, he looked way better in last night's game with his command. He doesn't have the strikeout stuff just quite yet, but he's taking a huge step in the right direction. Uh, so that's a good sign that he's doing that. I mean, the starting pitching has been better. You've had an encouraging start from Taiwan Walker, an encouraging start from Ranger Suarez now. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler have put together a couple good starts. Wheeler's last start was incredible down there in Atlanta, throwing that eight innings of shutout ball. I mean, super good by Zach Wheeler last time out. So the starting pitching starting to figure it out just in time for the offense to be non-existent. The Philadelphia Phillies had two, count them, two hits in last night's game. Uh, they only had three base runners in the entirety of the game. I, I mean, it was just absolutely, it made no sense why the Philadelphia Phillies could not figure anything out. Now, you got to tip your cap to um, Kodai Senga, who went seven innings of one hit ball, none earned, no walks, nine Ks. He's had trouble with his command. He's been a walk machine at points this year, and he didn't walk anybody. Now, the Phillies, that talks to their approach a little bit. And this is going to go into something that I'm going to talk about uh, here in a second about why I don't really want to relieve the Phillies of blame. Uh, but Senga, he had his stuff working. He had that ghost fork ball, which is this new pitch he brought over. He came over from Japan this offseason. Everyone's been talking about it. The Phillies just saw it firsthand, and that that's a good pitch. I mean, it is. 
And I got a lot of tweets from people. And the Phillies uh, were unable to get a base runner to second base. The last time they did that was back in 2016 against the Mets as well. But, uh, I mean, that's seven years ago, the Philadelphia Phillies were the last time they had a game that anemic offensively. For example, in the World Series last year in Game 4 when they were, were no hit, they had two base runners reach second base in that game. In a no-hitter, they had nobody reach second base last night. JT Romuto tried. Tried to steal late in this one, got thrown out. We'll talk more about those decisions uh, coming up and everything like that. But when I look at what went wrong, sure, Senga was great. The bullpen was good for the Mets as well. I mean, uh, Adovino was okay. David Robertson was okay. They got the job done. Uh, all good there by them. And that's why they won the game. Because even though they only scored two runs, they were able to be shut down pitching-wise. But I got some tweets from people saying, okay, well, that pitch he's throwing is nasty. Have you seen how Senga's throwing? Like, it's hard to hit, super difficult. Like, tip your cap to the opposing pitcher. And I do. Senga had a – not that I'm wearing a hat, no hat today. You can check that on YouTube. But uh, if I had a hat on, I'd tip it to Kodai Senga. But it's Major League Baseball. Every pitcher at the Major League level has at least one plus pitch. And some of the really good ones, and Senga seems to be a really good one early on in his time playing over here in the United States, uh, have plus pitches, multiple, and a just wipeout strikeout pitch uh, that people just can't seem to figure out. And Senga's is that ghost forkball. But other pitchers in baseball have pitches that are super tough to hit. I mean, every guy you see at the major league level is supposed to be difficult to hit. It's not easy to hit a baseball. It's not an excuse. It's really not. I mean, is it an excuse for maybe like, uh, getting shut out and only having like five or six hits, sure. Is it an excuse for losing a ball game, not scoring all that much? Sure. But not having a runner reach second base, that's a failure offensively. I don't care who's throwing. I don't care if it's prime Nolan Ryan or if it's Kodai Senga or if it's anybody. You got to get a runner to second. You got to have some type of opportunity. This lineup is too talented to not get guys to second base. I, I don't get it. Uh, I really don't how they didn't have an approach last night. They weren't attacking the fastball. You can't hit the ghost fork ball. But Senga doesn't throw it for strikes a lot, or at least he wasn't last night. It was diving out of the zone. I know it's tough to just say just eliminate the pitch because if they could do that, they would do that. But that's what the approach should be, right? A fastball that's manageable, a pitch in off speed in the ghost fork ball that you can't seem to hit, just wipe it. If he strikes you out with it looking, he does. But just go ahead and wipe that pitch off the board and just hunt fastball. I mean, that's an approach that might have done something for him, but it seemed like the Phillies didn't have much of an approach at all last night at the dish, and it was just terrible. And the only two hits came from not the big names, Cody Clemens and Josh Harrison. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. It was a very boring game where there were two nice defensive plays. Brandon Nimmo brought one back that might have gone out uh, off of Nick Castellanos' bat, and then Nick Castellanos made a play on a Brandon Nimmo line drive where he laid out and got one great play by Castellanos, great play by Nimmo. Those are the two exciting plays of the game, and Francisco Lindor hit a home run. Other than that, nothing of note really happened, and it was just more the approach that the Phillies had or didn't have at the plate that kind of did them in. <sighs> All right, well, they got another game or two up in uh, New York against the Mets. And tonight, uh, the first pitch is going to be at 7, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, just like it was last night. Just like last night in every Phillies game. You can go ahead and search Phillies on the SXM app, and you can hear every 
single pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast as they take on the Mets tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Sirius XM app. So go ahead and check that out. And we'll be talking about game two coming up here in a second, how the Phillies bounce back, why they really need this win, and who the guys are to watch in this game. So we'll discuss that coming up as we continue Locked on Phillies. All right, but first I want to tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. I mean, we got the final round coming up, the final set. So you know who it's going to be, Miami, Denver. Go ahead and check it out. And right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to not one, but not two, $2,500. Wow, they keep going up. Man, Uh, that's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Take a look at those NBA playoffs. I mean, you got the final two teams in Miami and Denver. Miami coming off two days of rest. Denver, a week's worth of rest. They got so much more rest than them. They're the better team, the better roster. They're playing at home. Uh, Take Denver. Take them to cover. Uh, Absolutely think that they do so. The the Miami and the fighting Jimmy Butlers, they're a nice team. Denver's a different animal. So go ahead and look at that. And there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's preview tonight's game between the Phillies and Mets. Again, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is the first pitch time for tonight's contest, and you can hear every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just go ahead and search Phillies on the SXM app, and you'll be able to go ahead and pull it up there and listen to the game and an interesting pitching matchup. You have Aaron Nola on the mound against Carlos Carrasco, two veteran pitchers, guys that have been around a good amount. Uh, Nola, more sample size this year than Carrasco, of course, who had a late start to his season. But Nola's 4-3 with a 4-5-9 ERA. That continues to uh, slowly creep down. A 1-1-2 whip, like to see that. And 60 strikeouts and 68 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has given up 11 home runs. That's been his Achilles heel. But Carrasco is just 1-2 and two in 25 and a third innings pitched with a 6-7-5 ERA, a 1-4-2 whip. I mean, he's starting to kind of fall off the backside of his career. He's given up five home runs in 25 innings. So if he goes five innings tonight, means he's due for a home run. He's had 12 walks in 25 innings. That's a walk every other inning. Now, we kind of saw numbers similar to that with Senga, and the Phillies were just way too aggressive in their approach. But he got an opportunity to be patient against Carrasco, pick something out. He is not all that of what he used to be. Uh, when he was in his prime, and uh, you got a chance to go ahead and win this one. The ESPN analytics have the Mets as a 50.1% favorite, a 49.9% chance for the Philadelphia Phillies. So basically a coin flip there when it comes to what the possibilities are for victory. And I'll tell you about my guys to watch in a second, but just to remind you where everything is as far as the numbers, Pete Alonso got 46 RBIs to lead both teams. Al Gohm has 37. Nick Castellanos has a 295 average. That obviously dropped last night because of the rough game offensively going over. Brandon Nimmo batting 300 still. Pete Alonso has 20 home runs. Kyle Schwarber has 13 home runs. Of course, neither added to that. Yesterday, the only runs scored were via the Francisco Lindor home run and uh, the other RBI single for the Mets. So, uh, yeah, everything looks relatively the same. You saw what you saw from the Mets last night, though. Yeah. Are they a talented lineup? Yes. Are they Braves talented? No, I don't think so. And Ranger Suarez did a good job of shutting this lineup down. So did the bullpen. I mean, this wasn't on the pitching. 
And if you get that type of effort from Aaron Nola tonight, hopefully it's a win because I can't imagine they go two games of getting two hit and getting shut out. But I, I don't know. I'm not looking at Aaron Nola as the focus for this game. I expect him to be all right. He normally throws pretty well up there in New York. I'm just thinking about the start a couple of years ago where he uh, tied Tom Seaver's record for the most consecutive strikeouts. Uh, I think he had 10, it might have been. Bottom line, he's pitched well in New York before. Uh, he handles the Mets all right. Uh, he's not in a spot where the series is ending, so that normally helps him mentally because he's not good in one of those pressure spots. But just in the middle of the series, perfect place for Aaron Nola to throw. He's got the advantage in the pitching matchup. I feel good about Aaron Nola tonight. But the key's the lineup. This guy's got a breakthrough, man. I mean, uh, just looking, I'm just going to go down. Most of these guys are over. But, well, all of them are going to be over. But just looking at the box score last night, I'll tell you some things that are unacceptable. Bryce Stott, 0 for 4. Trey Turner, 0 for 3. Castellanos, 0 for 3. Schwarber, 0 for 3. Ramuda, 0 for 2. Bohm, 0 for 3. Marsh, 0 for 3. Uh, Cody Clemens, 1 for 3. Dalton Guthrie, 0 for 2. I mean, not a great output there. Uh, I need multi-hit games from two of the top five guys in this lineup. Stott, Turner, Castellanos, Schwarber, Ramuda. Two of those five have to have a multi. Well, let's go um, two of the six and add Alec Bowman there just to give ourselves a little bit more room. But I, I don't know what to tell you. This team drives me insane trying to figure out what they are. They're different every single time they take the, take the field. There's no consistency. There's no consistency in approach. There's no consistency in fielding. There's no consistency in pitching. They have a high ceiling, uh, but they have a very low floor apparently, and you could see that in the first game against the New York Mets. Um, look at the standings now. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, after losing that game in the NL East, they are six and a half games back of Atlanta, who lost to the Oakland Athletics, believe it or not. Uh, but they lost the game to both the Mets and the Marlins. Uh, 28 and 27, both of those teams, the Phillies 25 and 29. It's the exact same record that they had at this point last season. So through, I'm going to do some math, 25 plus 25 is 50 plus another four. 54 games last year, their record was 25 and 29. They got the same this year. And I don't know what to tell you about that. I guess this team's just in a rut where they're slow starters. I don't know. You see it in all kinds of sports. There's hockey teams where they always concede a goal first. They'll win a lot, but they'll give them goals. There are baseball teams that score early. Or there's some that don't score early. There's football teams that play well in a certain part of the game. Like the Eagles this past year, in the second quarter, they were like the greatest second quarter team ever. And there's just weird dynamics with teams like that. And maybe the Philadelphia Phillies in this core are just made up of guys that don't get off the fast starts. Uh, maybe it's as simple as that, but bottom line is uh, they've got consistently behind the eight ball. It's not good to see they're going to have to. If they're going to take most advantage of this window, eventually they're going to have to learn how to not do that. But the upside is it doesn't mean that they're dead in the water. It makes tonight important and the rest of this road trip important. Important. You've won two games. Uh, I said on the air, I don't know if I ever said it on here, but I said on the air over on the radio side, that six wins is probably a realistic expectation for this road trip, considering you can handle the Nationals pretty easily. Well, you've only got two through five games. Go ahead and figure out how to win the next two, or you're not going to have a great look at uh, getting the six wins on this road trip. So big one tonight for the Philadelphia Phillies. Again, that game, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, first pitch between the Phillies and the Mets. Just go to the Sirius XM app and search Phillies, and you can hear every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast again that's go to the SXM app and search Phillies and you'll be able to pull that up and a question I keep getting and this is something I want to get into as we wrap up a little bit longer of an end segment today because I want to focus in on one guy Rob Thompson I got this question today uh, on the radio 
And I want to talk to you a little bit about it, what he's been doing right, what he's been doing wrong this year, how much blame he gets, and how do we evaluate Rob Thompson considering that he's in the same spot that Joe Girardi was last year and he's got a better roster? A lot of questions about Topper these days. We'll discuss as we wrap up Locked on Phillies. All right, let's jump into it with uh, Rob Thompson and everything going on with him. So the question that was asked on air today over on 97.5 The Fanatic on the John Cage show was, what is Rob Thompson doing different this year? What do you see that's different this year from last year? Or is he doing all the same things and it's just not working out and it's more on the players? Like, do you see something that he's doing different? And I think it's actually a relatively simple answer to this one. So Rob Thompson took over. It was two games ago um, last year. So two prior games. When that series ended in Atlanta, I guess the second to last game in Atlanta, would have been the point of the season where Rob Thompson took over for Joe Girardi, where Girardi was relieved of duties. Thompson was brought in as interim manager. So we're at that point now. And here's the difference, right? Last year when Rob Thompson took over, he had already seen Joe Girardi go through trying a bunch of stuff, and he had all of that information at hand, right? He was able to uh, look at the data that he had gathered as being a bench coach, whether that's concrete data or just like emotional data, knowing this guy likes to hit here, this guy's ankles bother, this, that, and the other thing, knowing where to play guys, where to hit guys, and stuff like that. And he jumped right in with that knowledge. Even though the core is largely the same this year, he's had to kind of tweak stuff around with new additions. Now, you haven't had a first baseman basically all year. You got a new shortstop. Uh, You got some new outfielders uh, in Pache and Guthrie, who didn't play much last year. Now, Josh Harrison's a utility guy. You've had to play Edmundo Sosa more. So even though it's a similar core, you've you've had a lot of moving pieces and everything that you've got to try and figure out. And to me, I look up, I look at the lineup inconsistencies as the main difference between last year, Rob Thompson, and this year, Rob Thompson. Last year, when he came in for Joe Girardi and took over, basically what happened was, hey, buddy, set the same lineup every day, go ahead and let them hit their way out of it, and the team got hot. Looked great, worked out well. He was captain consistency. This year, people were thinking about that, but what you don't account for is, hey, new team. Uh, full year as manager, he's going to take some time to tinker with this to figure out how they best fit. Now, he's got to start figuring it out soon. Uh, I talked in a previous uh, episode about how if we're at the like middle of June and we're talking about, hey, he needs to be more consistent with setting the lineup, then we have a problem. We're getting very close to that date. It's going to be June tomorrow. So he's got to start figuring it out, but I am giving him some leeway because it's not the same situation as last year. He came in new season. New team, similar faces, but uh, some new guys, and he has to figure out how that works. So uh, that's key. And even with the bullpen, too, I'm looking at the bullpen and the way that Rob Thompson's handled that. I'd like to see more consistent roles in the bullpen uh, for guys, have more defined roles. Name Craig Kimbrell the closer. Name Gregory Soto the setup man. Name Jose Alvarado the lefty specialist. Sir Anthony Dominguez the righty specialist. Matt Strom, your long reliever, if he's not going to start. I mean, all these roles could be defined more, and – Thompson hasn't gone that way, and I think it really could help the bullpen as well. Not that they've been bad. I mean, they've been fine, serviceable. I just think mentally that's part of the issue with this team right now is the manager doesn't set stuff consistently. It's hard for the team to be consistent. And, uh, yeah, so I'm looking at that as the overarching problems. Now, to get a little more granular, yesterday we saw an interesting thing with Rob Thompson, too. He's making some weird decisions. And Last year they all worked out. This year, okay, we'll see. But Bryce Harper got the day off following a rest day. 
I understand he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He rushed back, not rushed back like ahead of schedule. He was ahead of schedule, but I don't think he's putting himself at too much risk. I just mean he's back way ahead of schedule. So I get that he needs off days and they want to be cautious with him still when they have the chance and everything. But uh, yeah, it's a game against the Mets. You need these games. You don't play that many divisional games this year. Okay, you need to win all the ones that you can or you're going to be in trouble in the NL East and you rest Bryce Harper. Not only that, but you watch your team nearly get no hit and you have opportunities to pinch hit him and you just don't. And Rob Thompson said post game he didn't even want Harper to swing because there's all this prep work that goes into getting ready to swing. I mean, okay, but when I look at a team with absolutely no offensive spark and I look at one of the best offensive players in baseball right now sitting on your bench for a rest day following an off day, that drives me a little crazy, and that's a weird spot to me uh, for Rob Thompson to decide that he wants to get Bryce Harper rest. Uh, two rest days in a row, I guess, cool, but you need this guy. And I don't want him to burn it out in May as much as Rob Thompson doesn't, as much as Bryce Harper doesn't. But this team's falling behind the eight ball, and they're going to keep falling further back, especially if you don't play your best players. And last night you really could have used Bryce Harper. So that was a questionable decision to make. It seems like this year – the questionable decisions that Rob Thompson's making aren't working out. Last year, he had the Midas touch. Like, he would play Matt Vierling at second base, and all of a sudden, the guy was the best second baseman of all time. Like, he could do no wrong uh, as far as making tough decisions and even at some point some uh, bold and brash ones. But this year, he's tried, and they haven't really worked out to this point. Still plenty of time to turn it around, but those are the main differences and main issues that I see with the way Rob Thompson's managing this team right now. Not calling for his job. Not calling for his head. I think he's still a good manager. I think they're going to be fine. But we'll see over the course of the season if he can work back into that consistency that really helped the team out last year. So that's something that I'll be watching as well. But, yeah, another opportunity to get back at it tonight against the Mets. So you can go ahead and uh, check out that game. Again, 7, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Sirius XM app. Search Phillies for the entirety of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast. You'll be able to check that out. But, Need Nola to have a good night. Need the offense way more than Nola. Need the offense to step up. Because Nola, I mean, he'll have blow-up games, but normally he's doing enough that you're not completely out of the game right away. The offense, though, if they have the performance they had last night, there's no chance you win. So, yeah, that's my takeaways from last night, my look forward to tonight, and a couple thoughts on Rob Thompson. And that's all for today's episode of Locked on Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out. Make sure you're rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't checked us out on YouTube yet, please do. And if you enjoy it, please subscribe. It helps me out, helps you out, gets you the content on time. Sooner even, you get notifications right away, so you can be one of the first people to pop in on new episodes of Locked on Phillies. So go ahead and do that. It significantly helps me out as well, so I appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked on Phillies.